It's time to eat. Get in my belly. Sit down and get ready to consume an abundance of fantasy football knowledge from Russ Tucker and Evan Silva. Me so hungry. On the Fantasy Feast Eating Podcast. Yeah, let's eat, baby. It is the Fantasy Feast Eating Podcast. A day earlier than we normally release it. We have our reasons. Anyway, it's the premier fantasy podcast in the galaxy and it has almost nothing to do with me it's pretty much because we've got the number one fantasy football expert on the planet in evan silva from roto world check him out on twitter at evan silva i'm just a former nfl offensive lineman that just absorbs information almost by osmosis from evan Every week, my name's Ross Tucker at Ross Tucker NFL on Twitter and Instagram, Facebook.com slash Ross Tucker NFL. If you're a Facebook only person, we are always presented by betonline.ag. It's a great way for you guys to pick up some extra money. The online gaming website of choice for the Fantasy Feast podcast with the best odds and the fastest payouts. Use code Big. Feast. Speaking of codes, by the way, Evan is going to help you crack the code momentarily as it relates to dynasty football fantasy rankings. And speaking of codes, I know a lot of you guys are in the best ball. We're in the best ball. Make sure you get the draft app on your phone or go to draft.com. Use the code Ross so you get free entry with that deposit. All right, Evan, let's start before we get into 50 through 26. Mm-hmm. We know why these rankings are important for guys that play Dynasty, people that play Dynasty, but why are they important for everybody, even people that don't play in Dynasty leagues? Just having more information, you know, just knowing more about the players, knowing more about a philosophy that a team might have taken into the draft that is evidenced by their draft, knowing who's next up on the depth chart, just having more knowledge in general. You know, when, when we're able to have more information, we're able to make better decisions. And as we all know, fantasy football is a decision-making game. We're making decisions. How are we going to set our rankings before the draft? When we're on the clock, during the draft, who are we going to take? You know, during the season, who are we going to drop? You know, who's the least valuable player on our roster? Who are we going to pick up off the waiver wire? Are we going to prioritize this running back, this wide receiver, this quarterback? It's just a series of decisions. Fantasy football is, and having more information is always going to help our chances of making the right decision. So then let's get to it, and you start off the list with a couple of different quarterbacks, similar situations, number 50, Kyle Lalletta, and number 49, Mason Rudolph. Yeah, and both of these players have a chance to be their team's quarterback of the future. Kyle Lalletta at number 50, he was the number 108 pick in the NFL draft, 6'3", 222, you know, he's, he's got that, that NFL caliber size. He dominated the Colonial Athletic Association. Uh, I like when players 
at smaller schools. It's a, a Division One school. Uh, Richmond is, but it's not. You know, it's not a Power Five school. So you, you want to see uh, the the smaller school players dominate their competition. Kyle Aletta checked that box. He's got plus athleticism. He ran a four eight one faster than Baker Mayfield at the combine. He scored twelve rushing touchdowns over his final three seasons. The biggest question about him is arm strength. But when he was at the Combine, his ball velocity was 52 miles per hour. That's above the threshold. So I think he can rip it plenty. Pat Shermer talked about, you know, the Giants' new head coach talked about how he believes in accuracy being more important than arm strength. As long as you're above that that baseline for, for arm strength, you know, I think that you're in a good spot. And I think that Kyle Laletta is. Mason Rudolph at number 49. By the way, I don't know if you've heard – Ben Roethlisberger's uh, interview, uh, where he's where he talks about the Mason Rudolph pick, it's it's unbelievable. Like the, Ben was not happy with this selection, um, but this was the pick that the Steelers got for Martavis Bryant. They got number seventy nine, and then they traded up three spots to make sure that they got Mason Rudolph at number seventy six. Mason Rudolph's not going to bring anything with his legs. Uh, but he and he's a pure pocket passer, uh, but I, he was maybe the best downfield thrower in the draft. Um, the the problem is that Ben is saying that he wants to play three or three to five more years now. I don't know if his body will hold up with that, uh, but I think that Mason Rudolph is, you know, he's low here. Like say he say if he had gone to Buffalo in the second round and the Bills had not taken Josh Allen, he'd be much higher. Uh, but right now, it doesn't. It looks kind of bleak for him to get opportunity. I do think he's a, a solid prospect, though, and he was drafted, you know, significantly ahead of Kyle Laletta. So those are the reasons that I have him ahead of Kyle Laletta. So just to add a little bit here, um, I, I called Kyle Laletta one of his games when he was a sophomore or his first year starting up at New Hampshire. It was not a great game for him, but just studying him on tape, he was really good right away at Richmond when he got the starting job there. They had some pretty good receivers, too. Um, but he was impressive just in every way, even talking to him before the game. Um, and I talked to Pat Shermer recently who said, look, you know, he's got West Coast feet, meaning he's got really good feet, getting the ball out quickly and uses his legs well to get the ball where it needs to go. So Shermer seemed pretty smitten with him. Again, of course, what's he going to say? They just drafted him. Uh, but I thought that was interesting. Let's get to 48, which is an interesting name. Bo Scarborough, you saw him in college football for Alabama every week. Yet he's one of these guys, Evan, like like a Josh Adams that were like college football stars that nobody talked about hardly at all going into the draft. Yeah, and Josh Adams, you mentioned from Notre Dame, he went undrafted. He did not make the top 50. Bo Scarborough barely snuck in. 6'1", 228, only 21 catches in college. Um, was hurt a ton. You know, he goes to Dallas in the seventh round. I think that Rod Smith is better than him, or at least is a better NFL player than him because of his because of Rod Smith's superior versatility. Rod Smith can play a bunch of positions. He can line up in the slot. Excellent pass catcher. Can play fullback. Can play special teams. Um, 
The Cowboys also traded for Tavon Austin, who they think is, is going to give them some contributions in the running game uh, as like a sort of Lance Dunbar sort of player. I think that Bo Scarborough, if he had entered the league 10 to 15 years ago, would have been like a third or fourth round pick um, because he is a, a, a talented runner, but that's really all that he has going for him. Um, and now we see him as a seventh-round pick. I think that he's going to struggle to make the Cowboys. The Cowboys did not re-sign Alfred Morris, though, so there is potentially a spot in their running back depth chart that Bo Scarborough could could sneak into. But he's he's going to need a lot of things to go right for to to really make a contribution. And at the end of the day, I think that Rod Smith is better than him. Let's get to the next guy on your list, which. His interesting name as well, Ian Thomas, a tight end a lot of people uh, thought was really intriguing, especially when you look at him, you know, from a dynasty's perspective or for the next few years. Yeah, he was the 101st overall pick in the draft, uh, early fourth round pick, um, only had 25 catches as a senior, did not have a lot of production at Indiana. I, I really would have much rather have seen him have a lot of production. Now he did average 15 yards per reception, went to the combine, tested as a 91st percentile spark athlete. So he's a absolutely an NFL caliber athlete. Greg Olson is 33 years old. He's spoken about retirement recently, although he did sign a two-year extension. It's a legit two-year extension. Like it looks, you know, based on his contract numbers, like he's going to be playing two more years. Uh, but Greg Olson also has the, had that Jones foot fracture, which we know has been recurring for a lot of players in both the NFL and the NBA uh, recently. Like it, it, it can uh, lead to further foot injury. So those are all you know reasons to to kind of like Ian Thomas, a good athlete, showed the ability to stretch the field. He could block a little bit too. Um, and then the age of Greg Olson. I think that the, the probability is still kind of low on Ian Thomas, and that's why he's at 47. Uh, but I do think that he makes sense, like in the in the fourth or fifth round of a dynasty rookie draft, he makes sense there. Jordan Lasley at number 46. We actually talked about him today on the College Draft podcast. He's a guy that Fran Duffy liked a lot. Yeah, I think he can play. Um he went off as uh, Josh Rosen's number one receiver last year at UCLA. Goes to the combine, bombs it. I mean, atrocious athletic numbers. You know, like to the extent that you wonder, was he even working out before the combine? Um, it, it was that bad. Um, there are no wide receiver roles set long term in Baltimore. Jordan Lasley was the Ravens' fifth round pick. Crabtree is old. His contract is very much year-to-year. Willie Sneed signed a two-year deal that's year-to-year. And uh, John Brown is on a one-year, $5 million prove-it deal. Uh, You know, I I think that Jordan Lasley can play just based on having watched him. Um, But, you know, there are reasons that he went in the fifth round. He's he's certainly not a, a surefire thing, but he's one of the few receivers on the Ravens roster right now um, who has a, a real, like a solid chance to be around for the next couple of years. Any any of these other guys could easily get cut. How about Dylan Cantrell, 45? Number 191 pick, 
sixth round to the Chargers, played slot receiver at Texas Tech. You look at him on paper, he's 6'3", 226. He was the number one spark wide receiver in the entire draft class. Um, he looks like a like a split end, you know, like a an old, like a classic X receiver. Um, you know, if you just look at him on paper, then you watch him play at Texas Tech. He's in the slot the whole time. He's a possession receiver. Uh, Keenan Allen is locked in long term with the Chargers, but other than that, a lot of question marks. Tyrell Williams, he's year to year on. He, he's playing on a one year restricted deal. Uh, Mike Williams, the seventh overall pick. Didn't do anything as a rookie. That's always a bad sign for, for wide receivers that get drafted early, do nothing in their rookie seasons. We don't see a lot of those guys bounce back from that. And then Travis Benjamin, he could be cut at any moment because he's into those non-guaranteed years of his deal. Uh, so, you know, later round pick, but really interesting profile um, and, you know, a guy worth taking uh, at the end of a draft. What about Deion Kane from Clemson? He was in the U.S. Army Bowl I did a few years ago. He was pretty impressive. Yeah, we can actually group these next two guys together, 43 and 44, Doris Fountain and Deion Kane, because they were both Colts day three picks. Doris Fountain, I have one spot ahead of Deion Kane. Deion Kane, of course, went to Clemson. More people are going to recognize his name. Uh, he's 30 has 33-inch arms, 6'2", 202. Uh, showed vertical speed four four three. He's got small hands and a history of drops. You know, he's kind of like a poor man's Will Fuller. Um, I, I think he. I think he's got a. He's got a shot. You know, and the uh, GM Chris Ballard afterwards explained that he, they just did not anticipate Deion Kane being available when he was, and they felt compelled to pull the trigger even after they had drafted. Doris Fountain out of Northern Iowa ahead of him. So they took multiple wide receivers. These guys are just going to compete straight up. There, there are openings on the Colts depth chart behind T.Y. Hilton. You got Chester Rogers. You got Ryan Grant. You know, these guys are not insurmountable obstacles for incoming rookie wide receivers. Doris Fountain out of Northern Iowa did not get invited to the combine. Blew up his pro day, 42-and-a-half-inch vertical, has 34-inch arms. Um, he is a, He's a, another a, another guy who can get down the football field, uh, and those guys are going to compete straight up. I think that Doris Fountain is a little bit better prospect, uh, but they're about the same, and so, you know, you're just going to have to kind of get lucky. I don't it's, – it's unlikely that both hit – it's unlikely that either one hits based on where they went in the draft, uh, but I think that – you know, there is a chance that one of them hits. For what it's worth, Evan, I work with Ed McCaffrey on Sirius XM NFL Radio, and he went somewhere. I don't know if it was like a combine or if it was like a pre-draft workout place that brought him in to, to, to work with the wide receivers. You know how a lot of them will do that before combines and pro days. He went somewhere, and he told me he could tell within five minutes that this Darius Fountain, he had no idea who the kid was or what his name was, what he, but he could tell within five minutes that he was easily the best wide receiver there. So wow. whatever that means, Ed McCaffrey was very like that's like his guy now. Uh, let's get to forty-two, Jalen Samuels. Yeah, Jalen Samuels is a tough one because you just kind of don't know 
where's he going to end up? I mean, when I watched him play, he was like a slot slash H back. Um, I was like, ooh, this guy could be like Trey Burton. You know, he's Trey Burton, of course, backed up Zach Ertz for, for years, was excellent whenever he got an opportunity. Now got a big money deal with the Bears. Um, but he's Jalen Samuels is smaller than, than Trey Burton. I mean, Trey Burton's like 245. Evan, who was the first person? Who was the first person to ever tell you that Trey Burton was good? Of course, you you were you were. Hey, by the way, um, by the way, before I forget, Fran Duffy, who's with me on the College Draft podcast, yeah. he compared Jalen Samuels to Marcel Reese. He said he he thinks he's going to mm-hmm. end up as like a as like a fullback use check type of fullback in the NFL. Yeah, see, he's he's a tough guy for for me to rank. I mean, if you're thinking that he's going to be Marcel Reese, you know, he's maybe not even a top fifty guy. Uh, and right here, I mean, I have him barely as a top fifty guy. He's number forty two. I thought he could maybe be like Trey Burton. Um, I thought that you know, and and if he he was, I think he could maybe eventually replace Vance McDonald. Vance McDonald has a year to year contract. He's still on that Forty ers deal that San Francisco gave him, which is a massive, ridiculously massive contract. But he's only making, I think, $5 million this year from the Steelers. They could cut him at any moment. They're not going to before the season. I think he's actually going to maybe play a big role this year. Uh, But, I mean, the Steelers announced Jalen Samuels as a running back. He had more catches, 201, than carries, 189, in college at NC State. I don't know. He's, He's a tough nut to crack, man. I mean... You know, I his path to fantasy value is not real clear. All right, let's get to one of the quarterbacks, uh, Josh Allen. You have him number 41. He obviously went to the Bills. Yeah, number seven overall pick in the draft. I just I think he's a low probability prospect because we don't see guys that we don't see quarterbacks that have poor accuracy make it. Um, and Josh Allen does not have good accuracy. Uh, it, it's good news for his outlook that, that the NFL loves him. The Bills obviously loved him. They traded up to go get him. Uh, I think the landing spot is awful. Uh, the offensive line there in Buffalo has really disintegrated. Uh, they lost Richie Incognito and Eric Wood to retirement. They traded away Cordy Glenn. You know, that's three of their best offensive linemen. Uh, and their wide receiver core is, is trash. I mean, you know, to, to be kind. So that is, um, you know, those are all big red flags for Josh Allen, but there, there is a chance that he hits, you know, that, that the quarterback coaches are able to, uh, turn him into, uh, something that he doesn't look like right now. Uh, I mean that it's, I think it's a small chance, but I do think that the chance is there. And in that scenario, he can become an asset because he really is a great athlete and he's got a big arm. And, you know, if everything comes together, I can see him being a spiked week player where he, he has big weeks. Up next, we've got Mark Andrews, one of two tight ends the Ravens draft. That's how they do it. When the Ravens draft the tight end, they're like, yeah, let's get two or three of them this year. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so he goes to kind of a crowded depth chart. You mentioned that they used a first-round pick on Hayden Hurst. Um, they have Max Williams and Nick Boyle coming back. When I watched him play, he reminded me of Tony Scheffler. Mark Andrews reminded me of Tony Scheffler, the old Broncos tight end, 
seam stretcher in the slot. He's in the slot a ton at Oklahoma with Baker Mayfield. Averaged 15.8 career yards per reception. That's a really high number uh, for a tight end. Ran 4.67, another good number. I think that Hayden Hurst will be more of the traditional tight end and Mark Andrews more the more the slot tight end. Uh, but I think that Mark Andrews more projects as a uh, like a rotational player, a guy who's not going to be in there every snap. And, you know, when I was setting the depth chart, I'm not so sure that this kind of later third-round pick is definitely going to move immediately ahead of Max Williams or Nick Boyle. So I actually have him fourth on the depth chart right now, and it'll just be a matter of, you know, monitoring where he stands at the end of the day. We know that rookie tight ends struggle to begin with, um, and he's already behind the curve because he's just a receiver. He's not a tight end. So you also need the coaches to use him properly. You just kind of need a lot of things to fall into place for Mark Andrews, and that's why he's, he's kind of low, even though his skill set, he kind of profiles as a guy that has a chance to be good in fantasy. How about Dallas Goddard to the Eagles? You have him 39. Yeah, and he's buried behind Zach Ertz. You know, and Zach Ertz has signed through 2021, and I was looking at Zach Ertz's contract the other day, you know, his salaries are like seven million each year through 2021. That you know already is looking like a deal that is good for the Eagles, uh, because you know if if Zach Ertz were to go hit the market, you know next year he'd probably get ten million dollar a year, 10, ten million bucks a year, maybe even more. Uh, but they have him at seven, you know seven and a half, seven over the next three or four years. That's a really good deal for the Eagles. Zach Ertz is not going anywhere. So Dallas Goddard is kind of buried behind him. He pretty much is going to need, you know, like how we saw Trey Burton pop up at times. Um, he's pretty much going to need Zach Ertz to get hurt. I really like Dallas Goddard. I wish that he would have gone to the Cowboys, except for the Eagle, the Eagles traded up to leapfrog the Cowboys to make sure the Cowboys couldn't get him. Of course, when we've had, you know, people that are in the, the Cowboys employ come out and say, oh, we they didn't want Dallas Goddard. Yeah, yeah, right. Um, but I think that if Dallas Goddard had gone to Dallas, he'd like he'd be around 25, maybe even higher. Right now, as Zach Ertz's backup, essentially, he's number 39. Equinemia St. Brown, you have a 38. I think this guy's way overrated, um, especially after where we saw him go in the draft. I, I get why people were into him pre-draft. You know, you, you have to... You have to kind of roll with the punches. You have to be Bayesian with your process. You're getting more information. You can't just dismiss it because you liked him before the draft. The guy goes, he's the third receiver in the draft drafted by the Packers. They took Jamon Moore and Marquez Valdez-Scantling ahead of Equinemius St. Brown. Um, you know, there are reasons for that. Uh, he was the number 207 pick. He doesn't stretch. I'm sure coach, NFL coaches are going to love that. You know, the guy that doesn't stretch, you know, refuses to stretch. And then he also refuses to play special teams. I'm sure coaches are going to love that. You know, this guy, he's not going to make the Packers. I mean, I, I think, and I think when you watch him play, he's like Doriel Green Beckham. I, I, I don't think he's going to make the Packers. I think that in order for to really make an NFL team, and have like a multi-year career, he's going to have to give up these idiosyncrasies that, you know, come from his dad or whatever. He, he can't, you can't 
you can't say you're you, when you're trying to make a roster. You can't say I'm not going to play special teams. I'm sorry, you're not going to make the team that way. <laughs> I didn't know he said that. That's amazing. This guy's sabotaging his career before it even started. That's that's incredible. What and he left school early too, right? Um, yeah. Boy, rough year for Notre Dame guys. Uh, Josh Adams, St. Brown, leaving school early. Wow, rough. How about um? How about Mark Walton at thirty-seven, the Miami running back? This I really like Mark Walton before the draft, just from watching him. His combine was terrible. I thought he had a little bit of Devontae Freeman, a little Kareem Hunt even to him, a little a little splash of Duke Johnson. But he went to a really bad landing spot. I mean, he's certainly behind Joe Mixon and Giovanni Bernard. Giovanni Bernard is signed cheaply for the next two seasons. I don't know why the, why the Bengals would, in any scenario, want to get rid of Giovanni Bernard. He's not expensive. He's excellent in his role. Joe Mixon goes down. Giovanni Bernard can carry the load for a couple of weeks. We, we saw that last year. He was excellent when he got an opportunity. Mark Walton has, has a history of injuries to both ankles. Um, and, you know, he's not going to make any impact in all likelihood for two years. Uh, and then... I don't know. It's just I, I wish you would have gone to a better landing spot. He's at number 37 here. Let's get to 36. Finally, we get a little Ivy League on the show. It's been a while. Justin Watson, my dude from Penn. I think uh, I think the Bucks were like, uh, yeah, you know what? Uh, Fitzpatrick worked out for us. Cam Brate worked out for us. These Ivy League guys aren't that bad. Plus, uh, you know, Ali Marpet Hobart's like a wannabe Ivy League. So let's get him. <laughs> yeah, number thirty-six, Justin Watson, number one forty-four pick in the draft. Dominant at Penn. You know, again, like to see from the the smaller schools, guys just dominate their competition. Need to see that. I think six-two-two-fifteen. Ran four 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 with a forty inch vertical freak show athlete. Uh, you know, if you look at the Bucks depth chart right now, it doesn't look good for Justin Watson. But if you look a little deeper, you can see that there might be some opportunity after this year because Deshaun Jackson, the Bucks cut him after this season. They saved ten million dollars on their cap with no dead money. So. Deshaun Jackson, you know, good chance he's going to get cut after this season. I mean, barring barring something. I mean, he'd have to have a really big year, I think. Um, and then Adam Humphreys, their slot receiver, he's on a, he's on a restricted one-year deal. So he's year-to-year. We have Mike Evans and Chris Godwin. Both of those guys are under contract long-term, and they're not going anywhere. But Justin Watson, there's, you know, a, I think about a coin flip chance that he could get a chance to become the Bucks' third receiver next offseason. And he's, there's a lot to like about him as a prospect. Number 35, John Kelly. Has feature back size, 5'10", 216, weak production at Tennessee. Um, you know, only averaged 4.1 yards per carry last year. That's not a good number. Uh, now there were a lot of factors around him that, you know, contributed to poor production. I don't know what the Tennessee Vols have been doing with their running back distribution the last few years, but they're playing like Alvin Kamara behind Jalen Hurd. You know, John Kelly is not 
didn't wound up not getting a lot of run at Tennessee. Uh, when you watch him play, high energy, physical runner, uh, and he can catch the football. Uh, I think he's better than Malcolm Brown. The Rams drafted John Kelly. Malcolm Brown is their current backup. I think that John Kelly brings more to the table than Malcolm Brown does. And so I think that John Kelly will win the Rams' number two running back job, which become which would become very valuable if Todd Gurley were to get hurt. Now, Todd Gurley has been very durable in the NFL. He was not durable in college. So he has had a lot of good injury fortune at some point. Probably that injury fortune is going to run out and someone else is going to get an opportunity. And I think that John Kelly would be the best bet. Again, Todd Gurley's not going anywhere, though, for at least a few years. So the, the opportunity is not clear. He's going to need an injury to really help you. But I do think he's worth stashing at the end of a draft. He's going to have big upside if Todd Gurley goes down in that offense. Kiki Kuti, number 34. Number 103 pick early in the fourth round. He's 5'10", 181, so he does not have the body type of you know a classic high-volume receiver. He ran 4'4", 3 coming out. He's a vertical slot receiver. I mean, he made a lot of plays down the football field uh, at Texas Tech. It was him and Dylan, Dylan Cantrell. You know, I think he's somewhere on the Taylor Gabriel, T.Y. Hilton spectrum. I realize that those are those players are at very different levels in terms of like fantasy production. Um, but I could see him becoming a T.Y. Hilton sort of player. And I could also see him becoming a Taylor Gabriel sort of player. And it's just going to be a matter of, you know, how much does he improve as a player and what is his situation going to look like? I like the landing spot. I mean, we're getting attachments to Deshaun Watson with, with Kiki Kuti. I like Bruce Ellington. You know, they're the Texans' current slot receiver, but he's on a one-year cheap deal. You know, he's not really valued by the NFL. He's had a ton of recurring hamstring injuries. He's had a ton of injuries. He's not been able to stay healthy in the NFL. I think that Kiki Kuti could challenge Bruce Ellington for the slot receiver job between Will Fuller and DeAndre Hopkins as soon as year one. Number 33, DJ Chark. Second round pick, um, but he's going. He, I have him low here because you look at the the, cons, the construct of the Jaguars pass catcher core right now. It's like, how is this guy going to get in any opportunity? First of all, he doesn't profile as a high high volume receiver. He's six three one ninety nine. He's a four three four speedster with inconsistent hands. He's a he's a lid lifter. You know, he's a vertical stretcher. He might be able to change coverage. Uh, because of his speed and just he's got that vertical receiver body type. But, you know, how is this guy going to get targets? we got D.D. Westbrook to contend with. Mark, he's, he's under contract for the next three seasons. Marquise Lee signed a big extension this offseason. Keelan Cole is under contract for two more years plus a restricted year. Uh, and then Moncrief, they paid one year $10 million. He's not necessarily going to be there long. But they're paying him a ton of money. He's going to get opportunity in year one, and that's going to limit DJ Shark's opportunity. And then you have you know the Blake Bortles aspect, and you know maybe uh, it's not clear long term what's going to happen uh, at quarterback for the Jaguars. So he was a high pick in the draft. His outlook for fantasy is kind of bleak. Number 
32. Let's get to some quarterbacks here. 32 and 31, Josh Rosen and Sam Darnold. Yep. Uh, both guys are uh, pocket passers who don't bring a whole lot to the table in terms of rushing. Sam Darnold does a little bit more so than Josh Rosen. Sam Darnold had five rushing TDs last year. Uh, he averaged positive rushing yards in his career at USC. Josh Rosen averaged negative rushing yards. I mean, Josh Rosen is going to be you know, a solid, non-difference maker fantasy quarterback in all likelihood, even if he hits. You know, He's going to be in that, I don't know, quarterback 12 to 17 range each year, even if he becomes a, a good quarterback, which I think that he will. Uh, but not necessarily a guy that makes a difference on a week-to-week basis, just a solid guy. I think Darnold has a little bit more upside, and that's why he's at one spot ahead here. Now, you, you need to bump these guys up. See, I play in dynasty leagues where quarterbacks are pretty much interchangeable, um, and you know you can pick up guys off the waiver wire and get production or you know acquire uh, – Older quarterbacks that are theoretically at the end of their career, people always undervalue those guys like Phillip Rivers. You know, they've got two or three years, good years left, and, you know, that can be your starter. It's like quarterback production is just easy to find in a lot of my dynasty leagues. I know people play in two quarterback leagues. These guys need to bump, be bumped way up if you play in two quarterback leagues um, or if you just play in leagues where, you know, it's harder to get quarterbacks. In my leagues, it's easy to get quarterbacks. Let's get to 30, Justin Jackson, the running back out of Northwestern. Had a great career there. Yeah, incredible career. Only two running backs in Big Ten history have ever rushed for over 1,000 yards in all four seasons, Ron Dane and Justin Jackson. Justin Jackson is six foot 199, kind of built like Jamal Charles. You know, he's not as talented as Jamal Charles. Uh, but he was the number eight spark running back in the class. Very good athlete. Ran fine before the draft, four five flat. Um, I, I like to see the, the college workhorses that are smaller, that have shown the ability to handle heavy workloads. Because, hey, if Melvin Gordon goes down, are we looking? At, we're looking at Justin Jackson and Austin Eckler. And, and Austin Eckler is a little, you know, Danny Woodhead size guy. Who's going to get the carries in the Chargers' backfield? Guess what? It's going to be Justin Jackson. Uh, so initially, I think that Justin Jackson competes with Austin Eckler for that number two back job, which he may very well win. I like Austin Eckler, but you know he had fumbling problems, cost the Chargers a couple games last year, really, or at least one game. I think it was against the Jaguars. Was late game fumbles. Um, but if Gordon goes down, Justin Jackson has more upside than Austin Eckler does. Uh, I, I love Justin Jackson like as a late third-round dynasty rookie pick. Traquan Smith at 29? Yeah, Ted Ginn is 33 years old. That's the role that Traquan Smith is going to play in the NFL. He is a deep threat guy with a uh, 4.49 speed. Averaged over 16 career yards per catch. He caught 71% of his targets thrown 20-plus yards downfield. That's an incredible catch rate. Um, 91st pick in the draft. Uh, long arms, almost 34 inches, 6'2", 203. 
it doesn't look like he has immediate opportunity unless the Saints are going to, you know, just fall in love with him and cut Ted Ginn before the season. I don't think we're going to see Traquan Smith get on the field right away. Um, but I think that he is a guy to file away and could become a factor in 2019. 28 Hayden Hurst, first round pick, tight end. First round pick. He's a 25 year old rookie, played baseball for a few years. That's why he's older than the average rookie. Um, you know, there's such a disparity between a guy like this and uh, Tremaine Edmonds. You know, the the Bills pick at number 16. The guy is sick. The guy's 19 years old. I think he turns uh, 20 next month. Hayden Hurst is 25. Um, the the Ravens also tra- drafted Mark Andrews. They have Max Williams and Nick Boyle. Hayden Hurst only scored three touchdowns in three years at South Carolina. Uh, he did catch a lot of passes. I liked him when I watched him play. I was shocked that he was a first round pick. Uh, but it became clearer and clearer leading up to the draft that he was going to be a first-round pick. Uh, but, I man, I, I, I was surprised that, that he went that high. He, he's going to get on the field for the Ravens. I, I don't I don't think he's going to be a great uh, fantasy producer. Number 27, now we're talking a little central Pennsylvania, Chase Edmonds. He grew up like five minutes from where I live, Evan, and went to Fordham. He was a little undersized. Mm-hmm. But uh, and a late bloomer, but he should have gone somewhere better than Fordham. You want to talk about a guy like Justin Watson? He was like the best running back in FCS football as a true freshman right away. Yeah, he's got like every record in the Patriot League's record books. Number one thirty-four pick, fifth round, five nine two zero five. You mentioned about his size. It's not. It's not. You know. It's. It's. He's definitely undersized, but it's not. You know detrimental it's not he's he's got just enough size i think again like the like the workhorse history hit 86 catches in his career the cardinals are already talking like he is the number two they're number two already and really doesn't take much you know behind david johnson they got kerwin the painter he went to uh the chiefs and um they got tj logan and DJ Foster, and they moved Elijah Penny to fullback, tight end, H-back sort of position. So the, the the path is very clear here for Chase Edmonds to be the number two immediately behind David Johnson. And, I, I you know, we, we both think that he can play. Uh, so I'd like that pick a lot for the, for the Cardinals, and I think that he offers sneaky value in the third round of Dynasty Rookie Dress. Deshaun Hamilton, to wrap it up for today, Evan. Deshaun Hamilton's number 26, the receiver from Penn State. Number 113 pick, six foot one, two oh three. Penn State's all-time leader in receptions. Ran 4.52 before the draft, 6.84 three-cone. Love that three-cone. He can win with, with short area quicks and has just enough long speed. Uh, he, I think he's going to be a slot receiver in the NFL. The depth chart in Denver is not real clear. Um, you know, in both the short and long term, they drafted two receivers in Cortland Sutton and Deshaun Hamilton, both in the top four rounds. They drafted Carlos Henderson in the third round last year, and they bring back Demarius Thomas and Emmanuel Sanders. Something's going to have to give here. I mean, that's that's a lot of guys. I think that Carlos Henderson would be the likeliest odd man out. He didn't do anything as a rookie. They put him on IR with a finger injury. They were like, 
it, it seemed like they were just like, this guy isn't ready to contribute. And then he got arrested after the season for trying to eat weed, or he was accused of trying to eat weed. Uh, that, that's what it said in, in the police report. So I, I'm not sure, you know, it's not, it's just not real crystal, crystal clear what is going on with Deshaun Hamilton in terms of his short or long-term opportunity. But I think that he is a good player and a good prospect, and he absolutely can become a fantasy factor if everything kind of breaks right and he gets that opportunity. Evan, your knowledge of 50 through 26 in your dynasty rankings is unbelievable. You are hired, my friend, although you actually have already always been hired. But you are keeping your job as the Fantasy Feast star and co-host. I'm not letting you go. If you want to hire the perfect person for your job, whatever it is, or want to at least know how to hire the perfect person for any job, it's very simple. It's ZipRecruiter. Get your own Evan Silva for whatever you need an Evan Silva for. ZipRecruiter learns what you're looking for, identifies people with the right experience, and invites them to apply to your job. In fact, 80% of employers who post a job on ZipRecruiter get a quality candidate through the site in just one day. The right candidates are out there. ZipRecruiter is how you find them. Just go to ZipRecruiter.com slash feast. That's ZipRecruiter.com slash feast. And you can try ZipRecruiter for free. For free, you can try it. Pretty awesome. ZipRecruiter.com slash feast. Why not try something that's free? ZipRecruiter, the smartest way to hire. And that is the smartest way to end the Fantasy Feast Eaton podcast for this week, other than to let Landry Lee know that he is the winner of this week's MFL 10 giveaway. We're giving out free MFL 10 entries every week. All you have to do is take advantage of any of the sponsors over at RossTucker.com, like ZipRecruiter, and then forward it directly to me, Ross at RossTucker.com, with your address and whatever it is that you signed up for and boom i will hook you up my friends other than that totally totally stuffed that was a beastly dynasty ranking show and we've got 25 more to go the top 25 next week make sure you check out fran on the college draft podcast he's the scouting video guru for the eagles of course we will have even money the gambling podcast will be coming out tomorrow, and you can always hear your boy on the Ross Tucker Football Podcast. I'm stuffed. I think we're done here. Thanks for listening to the Fantasy Feast Podcast. Make sure to also subscribe to the Ross Tucker Football Podcast, Even Money, and the College Draft Podcast, all available on iTunes at RossTucker.com or wherever podcasts can be found.